to Rhythm Electric, the John Cairns Music Podcast. In this episode, we meet Rob Fleming and James Sedge, otherwise known as Killer Star, as they release their stunning debut album. The record features contributions from a selection of famed David Bowie collaborators. Celebrated players such as Mike Garson, Gail Ann Dorsey and Earl Slick add their magic touches to an album that hits the spot from start to finish. When I saw the details come through and it said Killer Star, that, that moment when I said, wow, could this be my favourite track off reality? Do these guys like the same music as I do? And then I read this wonderful detailed account of what it was all about. And uh, wow, I mean, the story of how it came together, because those musicians on this record, or any Bowie fan obviously knows the importance of it, but it's like getting your house painted, but you managed to pull in Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci or something. You've got absolute stellar people on this record. The whole thing happened in a very... Uh organic and unexpected way from us. So James keeps saying, like, if we'd have set out to do it this way, people would have thought we were mad because it, it kind of just grew very organically. I mean, basically, uh, we wrote the songs and did really detailed demos. They're all done. And then um, we were looking for some of the musicians to guest on it to replace, well, actually, to start with, to add some female backing vocals. And I know M. Brian is a friend. Um, she's on a, a label that I run. And I asked her to participate in it. So she was like, hey, this is great. We got any more tunes. So we basically had her on the whole album. And then she basically suggested, hey, um, if you want someone to play bass, um, replace what you have on the demos, I could ask Gail and Dorsey. So one thing led to another. Each each one of them was checked out the demos. They liked what they heard and said, well, actually, I've got a gap in my schedule. I can do it. So that's kind of what happened in a nutshell. And um, as things progressed, I think they were all pretty excited to be working with their ex-bandmates again on fresh new music, which was, uh, you know, obviously not a Bowie tribute or anything. So, um, yeah, that's how it happened. It's really uh, just a fortunate series of coincidences and people having time available and digging it and one thing led to another. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's I mean, incredible, really. That's great. And I suppose, James, as Rob touched on it there, you know, what's, what's important about it too is not only was it great for you to have these guys on your record, but they loved the opportunity to get back to doing something original together. Yeah, I mean, Earl, Earl was saying um, that he really, you know, embraced the new material. It wasn't Rebel Rebel again at a tribute concert. It was a new song. And um, you could tell they were into it by by the stuff that came back. Um, and of course, we recorded everything remotely, um, which is a kind of newish concept, really, isn't it? It's only yeah. the last few years, out of necessity, everyone has developed their own studios. Yeah. So to try, you know, can can you imagine trying to get this crew of people together in one room at one mm. time? It mm. would be very very difficult. But everyone, as Rob said, they fit it into their sh- schedules and they work fast. Um, Sometimes, you know, we would get an okay from, from Earl and then two days later, 50 guitar tracks would appear. <laughs> uh, on Falling Through, um, I was yeah. looking at the stems, the guitar stems, and um, he's multi-tracked every single section and harmonised it. And um, there are about 40 or 50 tracks of guitar oh. just on that song. But obviously we compressed it down and, and Dave Erringer um, mixed it so well. How he kept track of that many tracks because Em did the same thing. Her backing vocals were, I mean, it was a work of art. You know, she was duetting with Rob. She was hitting little um, little hooks, um, walls of backing vocals, BVs. Every time we got something, we were just almost laughing. You know, like, oh my God, this is so mm. brilliant. Mm. It was so exciting to see what they were. I think, you know, they were 
like us, just really looking forward to doing something new and fresh. And Rob's songs just seem to hit the mark. Yeah, I mean, on that production uh, discussion there, that's one thing that really jumps off the record for me is how there's a lot going on, but at no point does it sound cluttered. And that's always yeah. a, well, that's a magic good. trick, isn't it, you know? Thank you, John. Yeah, no, that's great. You you spotted that. Um, yeah, we love the sound of we love the sound of the album, and um, I think that's uh, like like James mentioned. We had Dave Aringer uh, mix it. He's a great guy, and he, I don't know if you know him, but he's done a lot of the Manic Street Preachers oh. albums and work with all sorts of people. But um, yeah, he just just did a great job of mixing mixing it. It's quite widescreen, and we we really mm. wanted something that uh, you know uh, on every listen revealed maybe a little bit of something additional a lot of ear candy um but we wanted it to obviously hang together well and not sound uh you know cluttered it's hats off to him on on that one to be honest um he just did a really good job on the, on the mix i think also there's the magic of those guys that most of them have played together a lot and um i remember getting a message back um from earl saying um well rob did um saying that he knew the kind of thing mike garson would put on yeah Mm. We were saying, you know, Mike's going to be putting some fairly avant-garde piano here. You know, be careful of, you know, trying to leave some... Sp and Earl just knew automatically mm. what to do. It's, it's just incredible. You know, I mean, Mike yeah. Garson alone, we could probably do an hour on Mike Garson. What I've always yeah. phenomenal about him, I don't know what he's what he's playing in the sense that, you know, it's not jazz, it's not rock, it's it's not anything. It's as if he sort of has this um, secret part of the keyboard that only he knows about, and there are different <laughs> in there, you know? I mean, uh, the word unique's overused, isn't it? But he really is unique. When you, I think most people who are familiar with his work, they could hear a few bars and know it's him. But we got back some great some great work from him. Um, and uh, when you hear it in its, you know, in a solo audio format, you think, oh, wow, this is incredible. Would it fit? Mm -hmm. And then... It, it was plugged in and it did it fit beautifully uh, but um yeah he, he did some amazing stuff we we uh we've actually created some alternate versions of remixes for another album uh which is uh, actually done and pressed we've got the vinyl in hand um we've not set a release date for that but in there we've got some alternate ver versions where we're doing like stripped back acoustic versions where mics come into the floor more for example Ooh, wow. and you can really hear, hear i mean the piano is absolutely beautiful you know it, it shines a light on it but yeah he's He's something else, an incredible guy. When we listen back to the stems afterwards, wow, Mike's doing some really incredible work here. So yeah. I started to do a remix of a few of the tracks with the piano first. Like, number one, everything, I want every note that he plays because mm. it's special. And um, then we re rebuilt the tracks around that. And the same with Donnie's uh, sax playing. Um, there's a lot more than you hear on, on the finished track, but the finished track was so perfect for us. We couldn't fit another note in without it becoming crowded. So there's all that wonderful work. So, yeah, we're quite excited about the next album already. But we haven't even got this one out yet. So <laughs> This is it. Yeah, it's funny. I think in any artistic expression, it's like, you know, if you're a painter, the last painting you did is the best. You know, the, the last song you wrote is the best, you know, and then you, yeah. you kind of the yeah. dust settles and you come back to it. I mean, with Mike Garson stuff like, um, I remember him, you know, on, on the outside tour with Bo Even stuff, he was doing on Heart's Filthy Lesson and stuff. People always were referring oh, yeah. to that and saying, but there's so much other gold in there, isn't there? Yeah, I to totally agree. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, we're, 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 we're fans of the whole the whole Bowie catalogue, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I love a lot of the later, obviously Black Star, but, you know, before then, um, some of the stuff Mike played on around those albums, that tour, fantastic. Um, 
And, and I mean, that's the thing about Bowie. I mean, obviously he's he, he was incredible, um, uh, but he had a knack of assembling some great bands, didn't he? I mean, if yes. you think about the musicians, yeah, and the musicianship on the on the on the records, and obviously Mike was there for most of that mm. most of that tenure, wasn't he? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, totally agree with you. Not not just the Ed and Sane stuff, as brilliant as though that is an absolute master. And as for Gail Ann Dorsey, that kind of effortless groove. Those are my favorite kind of bass players, you know. So there's there's never histrionics. It's never it's never too fast. It's just beautiful, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, very plays for the groove and some really melodic bass playing, powerful melodic bass playing, and uh, absolute professional. Again, joy joy to work with, and uh, yeah, can't speak highly enough about her. The drums had already been recorded as well, so she had to work with Rob's demo and my drums, and then she came up with these lines that oh, it was just. You know, beautiful is the yeah. word, isn't it? It's just soaring yeah. melody and her note lengths are, are so... Oh, listening just to the bass line alone, thinking, wow. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with bass and I kind of... Yeah. Stuff she does for yeah. Lenny, Lenny Kravitz as well is just it makes his records so much more special, especially especially live, you know? Um, in terms of the actual tracks on the record, I think, as I was saying a minute ago, you know, the last one's the best one or whatever, and, and I'll probably change <laughs> my opinion, but I think You're a Chameleon is the one that really jumps for me. You know, it's, it's the one I've played. Oh, interesting. Keep going back to it. Oh, that's great. That, that's very, another synergistic thing, because we literally just decided um, a couple of days ago to uh, have that be the final single we're going to release from the album. So we've Ooh. got a video made for that. That's going to come out just before the album. Actually, we were going back and forth about that and another track. So, thanks, John. I'm glad glad you like that. That validates our decision on the single. <laughs> no, it's, it's a great song. It really is a great song. And I think as well, the other one I that I really took to immediately was um, "Go Hold On Tight," which has probably got something to do with the bass groove, I'd imagine. But it's 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 nice and weird in places. I like it a lot. It is, isn't it? Yeah, we got mm-hmm. on the on the other album the. Uh, in the re- we're actually going to be called Killer Star Reimagined. That's the alternates remix one. We've got another version of that that Mark Flatty presided over. So he did some editing and stuff and added some extra keyboards and stuff. And that's great as well. So, uh, you know, we're, we're spoiled with that one, but I'm um, glad you like that. Yeah, that's Tim Lefebvre on the bass on that yeah. one. He's on three tracks. Yeah, he's on three tracks that Gail couldn't make because she, she ran out of time. So, he's yeah, he's on, th- he's on three of them, including that one. Yeah, he's, he's a great bass player as well. We probably should talk about Bowie in terms of your favourite Bowie moments. I know none of us will mind doing that, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> it's very difficult, but how would you sum up what Bowie means to you in terms of artistry, music, everything about the persona? Oh, yeah. Rob. <laughs> well, yeah, it's really hard. I mean, I think, the, I think, in fact, James, I think you said something about this the other day. Like, I think the fact, that the, like the journey he was on and the catalogue he has and the way he, he obviously has got a lot of, faces to the music you know things changed over a period of time always stayed really innovative yeah and, and, and relevant i just really admire that and and, and like we just talking about lad and saying i mean that period is obviously very different to like black star period or yeah. next day or whatever and um i i think i think that's really testament to his creativity and then like we just also touched on the fact he seemed to have a knack of bringing together the right people for the right music mm. you know and the different mm. kind of bands he had and what they brought to it so, yeah, hard to sum up, but I, those are the things that occur to me, James. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a lifetime thing as well, isn't it? So there aren't many people that can fill your whole lifetime yeah. Yeah. with their presence. Sure. Um, where that presence is actually really meaningful as well. It's not just a celebrity that you know. So, you know, it starts with me, 
were hearing, you know, Space Oddity in the early 70s as a young kid, and it was magical, and it still is. Hunky Dory was one of probably the first album I got, and it's still my favourite. Wow. Interesting. You, know, yeah. like you go along the rack and you think, oh, do I yeah, come on then, let's do that one again. Yeah, the way it opens up. Even a song on there that's underrated for me is Cooks. Cooks is one of those beautiful songs. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so, so if yeah, that's yours, James, what about you, Rob? If you had to choose one record, which is really difficult, I mean, I, I would struggle doing that too. I'd probably go for one day it's low and then the next day it's Ziggy and then it'll bounce back to low again and maybe a bit of outside. But where do you, where do you say? That's such a hard question. This is <laughs> it, Funny it enough, I was just thinking about it. I was thinking about it, like when I grew up, I obviously heard Space Oddity and that had a big impact on me. I've got to be honest, I wasn't a massive like zealot fan when i was growing up i wasn't like following every album i think like maybe you were james so i've heard a lot of those like hunky doing that a little bit later um so um yeah i don't know i, I think if i had to choose uh, i'd say yeah low um but i i love the uh some of the later ones a lot as well i mean obviously i love black star i'd probably put that up there for me um, record, yeah. But yeah, changes every day. When yeah. did you interview him, John? When did you interview him? Um, it was at MTV a couple of times. It was the the first time I ever met Bowie. Was that he was doing an art exhibition in Cork Street Gallery in London, and um, and we just had a really good chat about all sorts of things. And that was when he was kind of he just wrapped up outside with almost with Jamberino and stuff. And then about a year later on that tour. And then about six months after that, we did something. But an absolute gent as well. That's what, That was what amazed me about it. You know, it, um, in this job, you're lucky enough to encounter people that you grew up loving and, you know, the music. But he couldn't yeah. have been more warm. Just one of those people who, you, you know, when you see someone's lights on incredibly brightly, that that's that's mm. what I think, you yeah. know. But I think um, as well, when you were talking about a terrifying set, I, I loved when, um, when Reeves Gabrell's After Tin Machine started doing that sort of late 90s stuff with Bowie as well. Yeah. There's a version at a festival. I can't remember the festival. Um, I wasn't at that one, but I saw it recently. The version they were doing on that tour of Look Back in Anger is terrifying. If you could check that out. Oh, really? It's, I think they opened with that, and it's stunning. You know, it's goosebumps. Oh, check that out. Oh, I love that. I loved the look at that time as well. I thought that, you know, everything about that particular period looked incredible, you know, and, and an underrated record. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Seeing more people now come to outside. I'm seeing, you know, just online. I've noticed a few journalists I follow saying, "Actually, yeah. it's this one. This is the one." And I, I, I went back into it after years of what was I thinking? <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. I think as well as you mentioned too, Rob. There, you know, it's a lot of people. You will speak to Bowie fans who will also say, "I don't like the later stuff," you know, which which I never really understood. I, lo I love different chapters of people's lives. Yeah, nobody always gets it right, but you'll find something. I mean, even on a record like tonight, "Loving the Alien" is still one of my favorite Bowie songs. Well, yeah, yeah. So you're right. It's those it's those moments, and uh, I suppose in a way, it's even like a Stones record. Some of those later records, you'll always find the gem in there somewhere. You know. Yeah, like the, the new record. I love that. Yeah, that's oh, great. Hundred percent. No, I was just going to say just on the, on the subject of latter day stuff. So I don't know if you, if you heard Toy. I got, I got quite into Toy. Yeah. yeah and in fact, funnily enough, that's how we connected it with Mark Pratty. So mm. we asked him. You know, I, I was listening to that, and I really liked the production on that. Mark produced that. That's really good. Yeah, con contacted him halfway through the project, and mm. you know, asked him if he'd be involved. So um, yeah, that so like I mentioned, he's done a lot of the. Uh, He's done a lot of the kind of alternate version 
remix kind of stuff for us as well as being on on the on the on the main killer star record but uh he's a super talented guy i went to his studio in greenwich he's got a great studio there where bowie went and recorded some vocals for a few few songs and stuff and uh he's just you know he, he was heavily involved in uh earthling production as well he's, he's a great guy but funny enough that yeah that toy album i really like that the reimagining of the songs Again, it's not for everybody. You know about this um, record store day, the, the next record store day. There's a really interesting record yeah. coming out. It's the re- It's the kind of it's called Waiting in the Sky. I think you've heard about this. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting, kind of, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of like a Ziggy different track listing. It's another yeah. one to add to the the room of vinyl. You know, another purpose to be made. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, back to yourselves, of course. Um, I won't be able to be there in London, but that sounds like a fantastic gig coming up. That that'd be a, a night to remember you've got coming up. Yeah, no, it's a shame we can't make it. Um, but yeah, we're really looking forward to it. it should should be a great night, and um, we're gonna we're gonna video uh, some of it as well. So we'll uh, probably have some footage online afterwards. But um, yeah, I mean, it's the it'll be the first time we played the songs live, which mm. is going to be fun. And uh, it's great that some of the players from the album, Mike and Mark, and um, could be on it. And um, we got uh, some of the great players joining as well. Our friend Dom Beckin, he's going to be on uh, synth. Uh, he plays with Nick Basin's band, Source of Full of Secrets. So, yeah, he's he's great. He's just done a remix for us as well of uh, Actually Go. He's done a very different remix, which, yeah. <laughs> which right. is, uh, yeah, really different. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we can't wait for that. Actually, it should be a great night. And um, we just want to play the music and see people enjoy it live and then uh, see about doing some more dates. People have been asking mm-hmm. us about other dates but we thought let's get this done first get the album out get this gig done it's nearly sold out which is great the people are looking forward to it everything about this project is completely unconventional isn't it not on purpose it's just the way <laughs> that it's been but to do your first gig with at the hundred club with those amazing musicians mm. with us yeah and an album that's coming out you know a couple of weeks before it's really unusual. I've been doing this a long time and, you know, yeah. we're not doing the slog around the clubs and you know, yeah. is is about face here. Which and, is lovely. Yeah. And it's all completely, you know, kind of accidental. You know, the, the, yeah. I was just thinking, here we are chatting about Bowie and, you know, about three years ago, me and Rob were just chatting about doing an album. There was no mention of David Bowie or any of his musicians. No. It was just two guys that. working on an album. And in terms of visual impact at the show, now I don't think you're going to come on as Ziggy, but uh, have we worked out? What are, you gonna, what are you wearing on the night? Yeah, go on. Uh, a suit. Me. A suit. Yeah. <laughs> think, could, yeah. It won't be a Ziggy look, that's for sure. No, um, <laughs> that would be nah. hilarious if you did. I'm not quite figured out my outfit yet, but. <laughs> something, something fairly conventional. An Alexander McQueen tailcoat, one of those ones, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that'd be nice. Good idea. That'd be a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Look, guys, yeah. pleasure, pleasure chatting to you. By the way, I'm, I'm oh, so good you. record. You know, it, it's um, such a good album, and it's a pleasure to put a record on and go. Okay, I'm going to stick with this one. That's, that's music to our ears. Thank you so much. Yeah. Brilliant, and isn't it lovely to see your record on vinyl? You know, it's completely real. Then, oh. you know what I mean? yeah, it's so important to, to us. It's, it's really beautifully oh, it's beautiful. done. Beautiful, uh, gateful as well. Lovely, nice one. Yeah, and, uh, it's a nice pressing. Yeah, pressing is so good. We we got it done at Master Abbey Road um, wow. by Miles My- Shell, and um, it was interesting looking through his list of albums in the studio in Abbey Road. It's like, oh, Revolver. I think I've heard of that one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was just incredible going through. Like, oh, you did that as well. As I say, an absolute pleasure and good luck with it all. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Really appreciate okay. it. 